0: Well hello and welcome back to Devils with D. am Pastor D, and this, I'm from the Heights Church and we're going to be studying the mysteries in the book of Revelation. There are many mysteries there and we won't be able to cover them all but I hope that we'll be able to get into a few of them and that some of our questions will be answered. Recently I heard a gentleman talk about that in his travels And he had been to many churches, maybe even mega churches where there are thousands and thousands of people in the congregation, that he had never heard anyone teach on the book of Revelation, not even once. And I had to reflect on that and think to myself, you know, even as I traveled in the military, in the churches that I've been in, I've never heard anyone talk or teach on the book of Revelation. Well, tonight, you and I are going to study some of the things from the book of Revelation. Are you ready? We're going to get into it. But before I do that, may I share something that really touched my heart in the past few days? It was, I lost a dear friend and a sister in the Lord. She was a mighty woman of valor. I love spending time with her. And yes, she's in a far better place. But I'm going to tell you, that didn't comfort me. I got a little discouraged. I think I even started to point my finger at the Lord and say, why, why, why? Well, as I continued to pray and communicate with the Lord, I heard something bubble up in my spirit and I believe it was a kindness of the Holy Spirit. It was a song that I haven't heard for probably over 40 years. And it's called, Understand It Better by and by. It's, it goes like this, and this is the chorus or the refrain. By and by, when the morning comes, all the saints of God will be gathered home. We will tell the story of how we overcome and will understand it better by and by. I believe what God was trying to tell me is that I would understand why my sister went home at the time that she did, by and by. That when I got to heaven, And I'm there. I'll understand more and more about the situations that went on here in the earth and God's overall plan. Also, I saw that it impacts this study in the book of Revelation. That we're not going to get it all. We can't get it in the few sessions that we're going to have since they're only 30 minutes apiece. But we will understand the book of Revelation better. By and by. Amen. Yes, we will. So let's dig in. The word or the term revelation comes from the Latin root word revelatio, and it means to reveal or to unveil something that has been hidden to us. I want to share some really I think are important points that probably be good to remember as we study the book of Revelation. The first one is we need to remember that it's the prophecy and that there are countless interpretations and a bajillion theories about it. And there's some misinterpretations out there too, so you have to be careful. What I try to do for the study and what I'm going to try to do for every study that we get into is to Look at the scholars, look at the Hebrew, the Greek, whatever I need to look into. Listen to the Holy Spirit. I listen to podcasts. So I'm gathering information. I'm gathering it from multiple sources so I can paint a broad picture for you. I don't want to just have my solitary perspective. I want you to have an overall picture, a more holistic picture of what's happening in the book of Revelation. The next thing is that Revelation has the fragrance of the Old Testament. You're going to see some things that probably um, correlate or seem similar from maybe some of the Old Testament prophets. The third thing is that you can't safely draw exact parallels. So even though we see things that, oh, hey, Jeremiah said, alluded to that, or Isaiah said something similar to that, or Ezekiel said something, it doesn't mean that that's the exact t- interpretation. We can't draw exact parallels. We don't know for sure. The next thing is there is no strict chronological map of events. We don't know that uh, chapter 1 through 22 happened exactly like 1, 2, 3, 4, etc., John could have written some things and then gone back and said, oh, I forgot to say this, and, and it's out of order. We don't know what the order is, so we have to remember that. And then the final thing I want you to take note of is take it seriously, but not always literally, because there's a lot of symbolic stuff in this book, and then we have to study to see if we're getting the proper uh, interpretation a proper understanding. We have to really be prayerful. I can't tell you. I have been praying as I've been studying this so that I won't just give you any kind of junk. No, I don't believe in giving you any kind of junk. I don't believe in that. I want to, as best as I can, stick to what it could possibly be. Listen to what Dr. David Jeremiah says about taking you know, what we're reading seriously. He says the last book of the Bible is one of the most misunderstood, but the content it consists of is too important to miss out on. Yes, it is. I agree with him wholeheartedly. I don't want to miss anything. If God put it in there, I want to get it as best I can. I want to understand it. So let's look at what leads up to chapter 11. And chapter 11 is where we're going to be going. We're going to sink our teeth into chapter 11. But I want to look at a little bit of chapter 10 so that you know what happened prior to chapter 11. Again, we know it may not necessarily be chronological. It didn't necessarily happen in order. But let's look a little bit at chapter 10. I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. John sees an angel come down to earth from heaven. The angel has a rainbow over his head a robe made out of clouds, and a scroll in his hand. The angel acknowledges heaven, pledges his allegiance, then pays homage to God who created the heaven, the earth, the seas, and all that exists in the world. The angel says there will be no more delays. God will make his presence known, and there'll be no more mysteries About what he wants. As I tried to sum up chapter 10 to share with you, this scripture popped up in my spirit. And it's from Deuteronomy 29 29. And I'm going to read it to you from the New King James Version. It says The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So there will always be some mysteries. God is not going to share every single thing with us. You know, it's that understanding it better by and by. So let's get into chapter 11 of the book of Revelation. Grab your Bible, grab your phone or your iPad or your Kindle and read it with me. I'm going to be in the NIV version. You can also probably read it on the screen. I'm going to start with verse 3 in chapter 11, and we're going to go to verse 13. It's not that many verses, so hold on to your hat. And I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes out of their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. They have the power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time that they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague, As often as they want. Verse 7. Now, when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from every people, every tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. But after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice and they heard it from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. Verse 13. At that very hour, There was a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapsed. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. So let's look more closely. Let's sum up a little bit about what's going on in chapter 11. And I'm even going to share with you a little bit about verse 1 and 2. Even though I did read verse 1 and 2, I'm still going to share a little bit about that. So let's look at what was all in there, because there's a lot in there. Verse 1 and 2, the measuring communicates ownership, protection, and preservation, and the temple name is not known. I I saw this in Christianity.com about verses 1 and 2, and I want to share it with you. This prophetical passage about measuring the temple seems to refer to Ezekiel's vision. The design of this measuring seems to be the preservation of the church in times of danger, in times of public danger, or for its reformation. The lampstands represent the two witnesses, and that's what we're talking about tonight, the two witnesses. And the olive oil represents the power of the Holy Spirit. The two witnesses have special protection. And they can't be taken off the scene until they finish the work of the Lord. Then the witnesses are killed in the streets. And where they are, where those witnesses are, is actually Jerusalem. The two witnesses are killed by the beast. And we heard that as we read chapter 11. The beast is probably Satan. Sodom probably points to immorality. Egypt points to oppression and slavery. The great city is probably a reference to Babylon, which is idolatry. And, you know, I already said that the witnesses were in Jerusalem. The earthquake brings an immediate judgment which precipitates repentance and an esteem for the greatness of God. But whether it is true repentance would remain to be seen. So, yeah, you know, sometimes when people get caught in the midst of stuff, they, you know, they repent then. Or when major things happen and and it impacts their life then they suddenly want to call on the name of the Lord. But it doesn't mean that they truly repented. Listen to what Martin Luther said. What will the situation be like in the world before the Lord returns? Namely, Christ will be despised and the preachers of the gospel will be regarded as fools. Wow, that's going to be an awful time. Brothers and sisters, an awful time. So we're going to look a little bit at Zechariah 4. And the reason why I'm going to Zechariah, I'm not going to read it. But the reason why I'm going there, Zechariah gives us a little blueprint of, I think, the witnesses. And we're going to look specifically at Zechariah 4.14. Now remember, I'm not reading it. So I want you to go later and read Zechariah 4.14. But here's what I got from that. It, he explains the olive trees because he was talking to an angel. And it's two anointed people serving the Lord. That's, the, that's what those olive trees are. John in Revelation 11 uses a lot of Zachariah's phraseology. In Zachariah's day, those two people referred to Joshua and Zerubbabel. In Revelation 11, it's pointing to those two witnesses. It is also a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ as priest and king. It's showing that God's power is able to flow through two individuals that he sets apart for his tasks or for his works. God's power can flow through the people that he sends forth to do his business. His power can flow through you and it can flow through me as we design and set ourselves our focus on doing the will of God and taking the gospel to every creature. The golden lampstands symbolize deity and holiness. I want to look a little bit more at those golden lampstands. How about you? Now we're going to be coming from a frame of reference of when God had appointed Moses to erect this tabernacle, this tent like tabernacle. Outside the tabernacle tent, all items were bronze, but inside the tent close to God, they were precious gold. The holy place had no windows. So the lampstand was the source. Of light, and it was the only source of light. The lampstand resembled almond branches, and almond trees bloom in the late January and February in the Middle East. The Hebrew word is Sheked, and it means to hasten. It assured the Israelites that God is quick to fulfill his promises. And not only is he quick to fulfill them for the Israelites, he was, he is quick to fulfill them for us also. Like all other tabernacle furniture, the golden lampstand was a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus, the future Messiah who brought light to his people. Let's look at John 8, 12 and see what the Lord was saying to us. And I'm going to read it from the NIV. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, will have the light of life. Oh, that is so refreshing. I tell you, when I was unsaved and I came into salvation and I read that. Oh, my gosh, I never have to walk in darkness again. Because Jesus is my light and he is my life. So let's look specifically. We've talked a lot now, but let's get into specifically the two witnesses. I want to share a little bit about them. They were appointed by God for the tribulation period. They will prophesy three and a half years. Their names are not mentioned. They'll be dressed in sackcloth. And this is like the ancient tradition of the Hebrew prophets. That sackcloth, that wearing of sackcloth, symbolizes a stance of repentance before the Lord. They'll have miraculous powers we saw that they could call down fire they could turn water to blood no one will be able to stop their preaching and teaching until an appointed time then the beast is going to kill them and just leave their bodies in the street that's that just is so awful to me that they wouldn't even bury those bodies The mission of the two witnesses can possibly be identified with the person and work of Jesus. And I'm just going to share a few things. They preach and prophesy for three and a half years. Jesus' ministry, his earthly ministry was three years. They are sacrificial lambs in Jerusalem, and that's where the Lord was crucified. And Jesus was our Spotless lamb. The third thing is they are resurrected after three and a half days. Jesus rose up from the grave in three days. And then they ascend to heaven just like Jesus ascended to heaven before his disciples and other followers. So why two witnesses? Why isn't there just one witness? God often works with pairs of individuals. And so we see a pattern in Scripture. In the New Testament, Jesus sent his disciples out two by two in Mark chapter 6, verse 7. Other pairs were Moses and Aaron, Moses and Joshua, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, and, and many more. There were other pairings but I'm not going to get into all of them. So the two may mean that it's more productive having two together, or maybe it's safer having two together. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 10. And I'm going to read it to you from the NIV because it'll give us a little idea about that. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Isn't that the truth? That might give us a clue as to why there are two. And then God follows his own rules. You said, what? Let's look in Deuteronomy 19 and 15, and I'm going to read that in the NIV also one witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense. They may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So God follows his own rules. He follows his own law. He laid that law down. He gave them that law, and so he's following it with the two. Now, if there are two that are sent from God, you know the devil is always up to his tricks and he will always try to counterfeit what the Lord is doing. So there is a counterfeit too. they They're opposers to the work of God. The first is the beast. And they believe the beast is going to be a civil servant or a leader who all of the earth will follow except for the remnant, except for God's people, God's faithful. And then there's the false prophet. They believe that the false prophet is going to be the head of the prevailing religious system. There may be at that time a national religious system or a national religion which supports the beast. Who are these witnesses? Do you have any idea? As I have read this in the past, I have thought about it, and I have my own conclusions of who it may be. I don't know if I'm right. But let me share with you three possible, three possible uh, solutions or clues to who these witnesses are. The first is it could be a Moses, and it could be Elijah, Moses and Elijah. Moses, because Moses turned water to blood in Egypt. And Elijah, because Elijah on Mark Carmel rained or called down fire. Both Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus transfigured, they were there. Peter, James, and John were there. So it could be Moses and Elijah. Or could it be Enoch and Elijah? And let me tell you why. Because both Enoch and Elijah exited up to heaven without dying. They left here in a very unique way. So it could be them. And you say, who is Enoch? Enoch was a man who walked with God. He's a father of Methuselah. And he was so busy talking to God, and next thing he knew, he was with God. Wouldn't you love that? I would just love to be walking and talking with God, and he just says, I want to continue this conversation, and we just walk off into glory. Wow. Awesome. Then it can be two unknown persons, because Revelations 11 doesn't give any specific names. So God could choose anyone that he wants to choose. So he could just choose two people. And empower them by his precious spirit and send them to do the work. So here's my conclusions. And thank you again for joining me. And I'm just gonna try to tell you my thoughts basically about what we've read. Is that okay? I believe that God is giving us a heads up, He's giving us a warning. He's throwing up a flag, He's saying, pay attention, listen to this. Get this. The world is going to be a madhouse. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be just ah. You're not going to even want to be here during that time, those end times. It is going to be a nightmare. And it's going to be similar to the former Babylon, Sodom, and Egypt. There's going to be a lot going on. There's going to be tyranny, oppression, slavery, and some of those things are going on. You know, when we started into this pandemic in March, I thought, wow, Lord, are you getting ready to come back? But it's going to be 10 times worse. It's going to be magnified probably 25 times against what it is now. So people, what would the people be like? I believe that Paul, when he was talking to Timothy, told us what the people would be like. And I'm going to share this from 2 Timothy 3.15, and I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude coarse, doggy, dog unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless. They're going to have bloated egos. They're just going to be bloated windbags, addicted to lust and allergic to God. They'll make a show of, re- of religion, So they're going to make a show like they're they're religious. But behind the scene, they're animals. That's an awful thing. Wow. I mean, it just strikes me as I don't want to be there. I don't want to be. I want to go be with the Lord. I want to go up with him. I don't want to see this happening. My other thought is. God doesn't want us deceived. He doesn't want us manipulated. He doesn't want anybody pulling the wool over our eyes or getting over on us. That's why these verses are here. That's why the book of Revelation is there. He wants to let us know what's going to be going on and that there's going to be deception in the world and we need to pay attention, close attention, and stick close to him and listen to the Holy Spirit. The other things I see in there is God is still merciful and that he's not willing for anyone to perish but all to come to repentance. God is still providing a way out. You see it in in chapter 11. By sending the two witnesses, he was providing a way of escape. And my last thing is, don't wait till the last minute. Your salvation is important. You know, I'm a big procrastinator. I have to admit it to you. You know, sometimes I'll say, well, I can do that later. Or, oh, that can wait. Or, I don't want to do that now. I I probably can catch up with that later on. But don't do that with your salvation. We need to repent. That's what needs to happen. Repent. And then we need to turn to God. Well, brothers and sisters, it's a lot. Wasn't it a lot? I agree. A lot of things to think about tonight. But I thank God that he loves us enough to let us know what's going to happen. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for allowing us to be here together, to hear this lesson, and to receive from you. I thank you for the illumination that it will bring. I thank you and praise you for the God who you are. You're a great God. You're a merciful God. You're a kind God. You're a generous God. You're a compassionate God. You're slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And we see your mercy just spread out all over the book of Revelation. So thank you again, Lord God. Be with your people as they leave this session and bring them back again safely. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want you to know that I love you and I thank you for being here. And I am just rejoicing because I know we are going to get into some exciting stuff. So stick with me. If you have comments, please leave them in the comment section. And if you have something specifically, you say something. I've been pondering on this for a long time from the book of Revelation. And I wonder if you could teach on that. Leave me a note and I will pray over that and see if the Lord will allow me to teach that. So God bless you. Stay with God. Walk with him, stay in his blessings, and I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.